This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly, manly Warthog Man Cave. I can tell you right now, we are in here with uh, all kinds of questionable weather. We've had storms come through here. Uh, last night, quite a bit of rain dumping and the rivers are rising. And so there really isn't in, in sight. I'll go into that in more detail at the uh, Ward's weather at the halftime. But uh, we're in the Melvin Law Studio, uh, 50 years of experience from Melvin Law. They're really a full service law firm. And uh, they are the only official law firm partner of the uh, University of Florida. And of course, crime prevention, cpss.net protects us. And then check out the, the mugshots and um, and make sure you uh, are familiar with what's going on and all that world that we are submerged in by increasing numbers, it seems, every day. I'll be going into a local story about this in a minute. Uh, and good morning, everybody. Robert Wilford, hadn't heard from you in a long time, sir. I'm, I'm sure you're enjoying your retirement. And uh, Plantation Mark and uh, some of y'all getting to class on time is a big deal here now. So um, I want to talk a little bit about, once again, the uh, dysfunctional city of Gainesville. And I've got to, you know, help you understand that I've got quite a bit of experience with dysfunctional cities, having been the city manager of one. I was the city manager, interim city manager of the city of Archer, which meant I didn't want the job permanently. Uh, We have a call in today. If you want to call in, it's 352-707-9101. Be glad to chat with you about whatever's on your mind. So I do have an experience with how city governments work or should work or fail to work because I've been the manager of one. And perhaps you need to, uh, you know, maybe perk up and put this in your notes today in class, the importance of what is called a comprehensive plan. Um, maybe you've never heard of this thing before. You know, you have to kind of dig down to get to where government really functions And this is one of the rare situations where the comprehensive plan has actually made it out uh, to the public conversations and it's become a contentious issue. Uh, The comprehensive plan for the county, for example, with which I'm pretty familiar, is about as thick as a New York phone book and used to be a phone book anyway, I guess. Or maybe the Sears catalog in the old days when there was a catalog. The other catalog I remember in those days was a Siegel uh, uh, catalog. So um, this this is uh, something every municipal government has or should have and should go by. It is amended under laborious interface with the public. You go through meetings where you um, try to inform the public of a, perhaps a zoning change, and then that is, results in policy changes, and that results in what thou can't do and can do with your property, which is really 
the most important juncture of government. When government tells you what you can do with your individual life, then that's a real important place to take a look. And the comprehensive plan is pretty thick in just about any government, very thick in Alachua County. I helped rewrite the comprehensive plan for the city of Alachua years ago, and I uh, particularly focused on the economic element of the comprehensive plan. And this was around the year 2000, 2001, if memory serves me right. And I chaired the committee that rewrote the comprehensive plan of, of the city of Alachua. So I know a lot about comprehensive plans. And I know how they work well. I now know how they work poorly, having been a city manager as well. So you probably don't have any interaction with any talk show host on radio, anywhere else, with as much variety of experiences yours truly. Having been a professor of research and classic literature, uh, a comprehensive plan chair, um, you know, managed a city, uh, you, you know, go on and coached uh, football and basketball, was a, a chair umpire for NCAAs. You know, come on. Can you find a guy that you know who is as well-versed that you might tune into as I? You know, I doubt it. You know, so here we are. The comprehensive plan is one that can be abused. And the way it's abused is these meetings, that, these obligatory meetings that the government is to have with the public to announce to the public what changes they're going to ask the public to approve of, which they usually go ahead and do whether the public approves of or not, can be manipulated. And that is to say you can have these meetings at inopportune times for the public, which is generally the case. They'll have them at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, what working stiff out making a living to pay the taxes uh, can break away from his toil to come to listen to a gabby, gabby, talkative, get to the point, uh, endless, circuitous, thoughtless bureaucrat running a conversation about a comprehensive plan. I have seen it endlessly. And then if you get one of the county liars involved in it, and the county has a lot of liars, lawyers, Uh, at all levels, I mean, they can muddy the walk. So these comprehensive plans, once they're adopted by the commissions, you better stick to them or you'll get fined or you'll get denied or you'll get sent to the woodshed. And But on the other hand, if the city, and this is the eternal dilemma of government, if the city wants to uh, go back on its promise, it can do it. If it because you what do you do? How are you gonna take them on? How you, you know, even Biden said, take on the federal government. We got F-15s. That's one of the darndest things I've ever heard a president say to his citizenry. He said that to his citizens, the citizens of the United States. If you want to take us on, we've got F-15s. Are you kidding me? That goofball said that. But you know, government is government, and it is filled to the hilt with career people who never see the light of day in the real world. Our public information officer, Mark Sexton, I think has been the PIO for 17 years. And yes, he is the one who took the county car to Miami and ran it over the transvestite. So, uh, but, but, you know, he's still a county, you know, he's still a PIO. So 
this is uh, the way in which the toil, and Robert Rilford knows this. He's been a city commissioner in Alachua. He knows how this stuff works or should work or ideally works. More often than not, it doesn't. And we've got a classic case of inefficiency and ineptness really we'll have to talk about for a while today. Once again, about the shining city on the hill, which is situated by the Lake of the Stupids, which was populated probably about 1947 by whatever was dumped out of the UFO landing, which became the genetic material for today's commissioners. That is no other explanation. These people are just whistling Dixie, as they used to say, which meant Dixie's gone, you know? Well, these, Andreas Corte Santos, whatever his name is, is the least qualified to talk about residents having had none himself that you could ever pin him down on when he was being challenged by uh, uh, his uh, rival in a race for the city commission. I mean, you know, come on. Where does it end? Well, it probably never ends. So now we have got, you know, there, there are big governments and small governments and smaller governments and bigger governments and all these layers. But now we have got a rare situation uh, where, but it's not rare for this governor, DeSantis. It's not rare for this governor to come into school boards. It's not rare for this governor to come into uh, superintendents of elections. It's not rare for this governor to come into state attorneys. You fulfill the law, fulfill your oath, or I've got to find somebody who will. In other words, you go by the rules. And the rules are the charters and the constitutions and the uh, uh, comprehensive plans and all these things. And now cometh the letter to how low can you go, bow tie bow, Poe, the boy named Lauren, from uh, the uh, Dane Eagle, who's secretary of the Florida Department of Economic Opportunity, putting these this goofball on notice that what you're doing with this inclusionary housing violates your very own comprehensive plan. Hello. Now, do you get that? Do you understand that, students? The government is violating its own rules to get what it wants. And why does it want that? It's got some ideology in its mind being led by of all people, Adrian Hayes Santos, who cannot remember where he slept last night, an advocate for so-called affordable housing. I was the co-chair of an affordable housing committee among all my other hats in the city of Alachua. I'm going to tell you, I know more about affordable housing than Adrian Hayes Santos will ever know. We had a committee that was a standing committee for a year. And I'm going to tell you what you learned from it. The bottom line is affordable housing is whatever you can afford. And if you can't afford it, somebody's going to subsidize it. It's as simple as that. So if you put affordable housing in single family residences where those folks have jobs, take out mortgages, carry the burden of the country by paying their taxes, and you put and they don't have any subsidies, In fact, their taxes go up, up, up. Their regulations go up, up, up. Makes it tougher for them to own, particularly the renter stuff. It makes them tougher to do that. 
and you're going to cram into the middle of this stuff willy-nilly, arbitrarily, affordable housing. Well, the only way the housing is going to be affordable is if it's government subsidized, which means it will be government housing. And if you want to see government housing failure, go to Chicago. Why do you think there are so many murders in Chicago? It's because of the living conditions. Now, yes, there was a bill of goods sold to the blacks when they went to the north. The blacks were told, come to the north, you can be like us whites. Except what the whites didn't tell them was that you can't have the jobs we got. You can have the menial job, but you can't be the CEO. And so to house those people who came trustingly to the north, there had to be housing projects created. And these things were ready-made places for all sorts of human failures because it was subsidized. It was not a product of the initiative and the hard work, which the folks out of the South wanted to do. So couldn't do. There was more actual slavery. I'm going to say something to you and you can raise hell about it. There was more actual slavery in the North than there was in the South in that the slavery in the North was economic slavery. You couldn't afford to get out of the projects. And the projects were inhumane. And now we're going to recreate that crap and inclusionary housing in the city of Gainesville. And to do so, the stupid city people, fathers, mothers, whatever you want to call them now. Well, you can't even call them that. There's the communist Cinco uh, Cuban on there who's a socialist. This is all socialism. This is all creeping towards communism. Subsidized housing paid for by the government further enslaves the people rather than frees them. And if you go take a look at it, take a look at the failed projects, Kennedy Homes and places like this. Come on and go take a look at the crime rate and the Section 8 housing. It should, if capitalism were really working well and education were really working well, everybody would be pulling on the rope and helping. We'd all be raising the the ship together. But that's not what happened. So this is a pipe dream. More than that, it's a, well, it's a beep, a huge beep that you're getting ready to be, have crammed down your throat in the city of Gainesville. And even in the county, which is going to furthermore adopt this and perpetuate it and proliferate it and all the other words. And this, this ain't nobody, they ain't got nobody locally to stop it. Even the powerful Cynthia Chestnut, whom I personally like, by the way, she's always been friendly with me. I've always been friendly with her. We don't always agree on everything, but I can tell you she's cordial. She's polite when we meet. We're friendly. Uh, We respect each other's differences. We're not angry. And even she thinks that this is a beep on the city and cheats the black folk. You don't want to take black folk out of their single family homes and put them in inclusionary housing when it's subsidized. You don't want to take white folk. You don't want to take anybody and put them in that situation if you can help it. And there's ways to do it. Now, come on. But you know what's driving this? I'm going to tell you what's driving this. 
I'm not going to use a term because it's old fashioned. People coming down from other states, other failed progressive government states, okay, failed to come to Florida. I sat on a bus with them uh, when we went to the Utah game. They were from Utah. Utah is a pretty darn good state. It's still clean. It's still orderly. But guess what? It's cold. You know, it's out there in the Midwest. And the Utah people were looking around Florida and saying, my golly, you got beaches and you got this, that, one, and another. We're looking for property in Florida. And I joke with them. I said, please don't bring the values of a New York City person to Florida if you come. But that's the problem with the Florida. We need to put a moat up at the border to keep people from coming. Of course, that's not going to happen. What are they coming with? They're coming with money. Affordability is relative, my friends. You know, so they're coming with money from sales of property in the north that are bloated and inflated because of the poor management of those communities and coming down here and jacking up the prices of real estate here to make it less affordable than more affordable. And you're not going to cram inclusionary housing out in Oakmont. That's not going to happen because Oakmont's already built and contained and occupied. That's not going to happen. Or you're going to do it is you're going to go into the city of Gainesville and destroy the old neighborhoods. And, uh, you know, I'll bet you they don't do it in the duck pond. I'll bet you they don't. Tear down one of those old houses in the duck pond, see what happens. So it's a big beep on the community. And now the Department of Economic Opportunity has had to wave in. I, I don't know. We don't need to probably put this letter up, but it's, um, uh, it is a letter dated September 8th to Poe. How low can you go? Bowtie Poe. And I'm just going to point out a couple of things that it says. And the first thing it says, the first, under comments, it says the proposed amendment, but how low can you go? Uh, Bowtie Poe, Cinco the Communist uh, Cuban, and, and of course, Adrian is Santos, who he might as well be homeless, uh, is internally the proposed amendment for inclusionary housing is internally inconsistent, inconsistent with the city's comprehensive plan. Inconsistent is a polite way of saying, hey, it don't go there. Okay. Now, there's a domino effect that's pointed out in this comment. If you cram this stuff into this area and where the, where the, uh, you have inconsistent housing elements uh, without clear principles and guidelines and standards and strategies, uh, you are going to actually have a counter-valuing of property. It is going to not increase the value of the property, as the car salesmen say, value. It's going to decrease the value of the property in which you cram the inclusionary housing. You know, what I'm saying is now brilliant. It can only come from somebody who has worn all these hats. Okay, so take it in your notes and do what you want. But let me tell you something. The domino effect starts then. So then you create a whole area where nobody wants to live because you have tipped the apple cart and it is going to have a whole range of exodus. Now, I got a story. I've got a city I'm going to talk to you about. This has already happened. Now, uh, so this is an ineffective approach to producing affordable housing. There's no question about it. The most affordable way to create housing, but it's, it's deceptive, is for the government to give the land 
on which the housing is going to be built. And then what are you talking about for housing? Are you talking about stacked up on top of each other, like the projects in Chicago? Surely not. Are you talking about individual homes? That's what you should be talking about with with an opportunity for the leg up in the beginning to become a homeowner. That's what I worked on and couldn't get done with affordable housing in the city of Alachua. Let's help them get started, but then let's bow out and make them possible for them to own and get the government out of the deal. And, you know, I, I, I couldn't pull that off. I'm sorry. So the this amendment assumes, by the way, this is this is the, the, Tallahassee talking, that the allowance of denser development will provide access to affordable housing. But that's no guarantee. They're going to scatter the affordable housing all over the place. And that is going to create a domino effect where you've got flight out of there from white and black. I mean, when Cynthia Chestnut, the queen of the black community, says this ain't no good, you better pay attention. So, uh, the, the, you know, and all the student renters, there's an assumption of that student renters are benefiting from uh, re- rental housing. Let me tell you, rents have gone up, up, up for the students. I'll tell you why. When you raise the admittance scores to the University of Florida, you raise the students' homes standard of living that produced them. It's a quiet kind of racism. It's a quiet kind of exclusionary selection. Nobody calls it that. But for this student, when it could be black or white, I mean, you know, the, the, the black kid who gets in, the white kid who gets in has to have had a great support system, good parents, somebody who took an interest in those kids and got made sure that they went to school, got their grades and could get into the university. So, so except with the exception of the Asians, quote unquote, what's referred to as Asians, and they've been discriminated against at a place like Harvard because they ain't got no problems getting in. I heard a story yesterday, amazing story. A lady was shopping in one of the big stores, the grocery stores, and there was a little Asian kid in the grocery basket. You know, they can, you can stick them in that one part if they're small enough, which means the kid was about three years old, okay? His daddy was pushing the cart and speaking to him in a language the lady didn't recognize, but it was sure not English, okay? Then, all of a sudden, this little kid, small enough to fit in this grocery cart, says to his father, hey, dad, and then I'm quoting him, look up there. That air conditioning duct is suspended by straps. Huh? Huh? And the word that caught the lady's ear was suspended. Suspended for a three-year-old or somebody small enough to fit in that cart is amazing. A syllable is a single burst of air. Huh? Huh? Suspend. Two syllables. Dead. Three syllables. Suspend. Dead. Three syllables. It ain't huh, it ain't ho, nothing. It's suspended. Oh, those guys, we keep out of the doggone school. So the city, and to cram this ineffective, to cram this ineffective plan down the throats of people, because how low can you go 
Bowtie Poe, and Adrius hate Santos and the Cumulus. They think they know it all. They think they know it all. You know, it's in this letter. I, I, you, know, you can find it. Jennifer Cabrera posted it out in a lot from Chronicle. Uh, you can take a look at it. Um, none of these issues were, was, none was, none is singular, by the way. You don't say none were, none was. None of these issues, the issues, the object of the preposition of issues is not the subject of the verb. None is the subject of the verb. So none of the issues was, none of the issues was thought out, planned. You know, it is just, it makes somebody like me think, what in the heck am I doing this for? I mean, why am I even bothering? It, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous to have to go through this. Let me get, let me get one more place. Jackson, Mississippi. Okay, September 6th in the opinion page of the journal does an analysis on the failed government of Jackson, Mississippi. Now, this might as well be Gainesville. Are you with me? Because the Gaines, Jackson, Mississippi, my golly, is run by a progressive commission. And it has this kind of progressive commission. Anytime there's a problem, in Jackson, Mississippi, they blame it on systemic racism and anti-government ideology. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Now, in Mississippi, there has been chronic mismanagement by Jackson, Mississippi, which is about 150,000 people, kind of like we are, um, for a long time by these progressive liberal governments. In 2014, 90% of the city, 90% of the city's voters approved a 1% uh, point increase in the sales tax to fund water and sewer repairs. Huh? They never got done. That money was slipped away quietly. The same way we slip away money from the what? GRU. You don't know where it goes. They can't even figure out. You can't even audit the financial profile of the city of Gainesville because there are no records from which the auditor can audit. That's how bad it is. If you've gotten that, that's how bad it is. Faulty water meters in Jackson, Mississippi. I ran into this when I was the city manager of Archer. My God, if a, if a resident came in complaining about his bill, I told the people up at the desk, heck, believe them. We can't question them because you guys have never audited your water meters. And one of the things I did before I left that place is I got a grant to replace every water meter in the city of Archer. So at least you could get that money from the water because that was the only source of funding funds that that city had was what it made off of its well crazy. Well, there you are. That's my little wrap for today going up to the break. It is amazing. It is amazing. Now, DeSantis, no doubt, is going to catch all sorts of criticism uh, from the progressive ideology left, which is primarily white, by the way. And um, this fracture between them and the Cynthia Chestnuts of the world is very interesting. 
I trust Cynthia Chestnut more than I do Lauren Poe any, 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 any day. Okay. Now, perhaps you don't even live in the town. So you're listening to a course in how do you monitor a government's accountability? And most of you probably don't even know or have ever read, and I don't blame you, don't do it. Your eyes will dry over. Uh, you need to blink a lot. Never read your city comprehensive plan. I, I assure you, you, God bless you, you've never read the county's comprehensive plan. I assure you that we're in the, uh, uh, oh, the, uh, the in, Lloyd Bailey, we're in the constitu- Constitution. Uh, the water meters in, in the city of Archer we're talking about can be granted. You can get a grant. For that is all over the place, Lloyd. Uh, you just don't. <laughs> Sometimes I have to laugh. Anyway, uh, there it is. Uh, Tim Martin, you know this. Tim Martin, you really know this because you are the city commissioner and uh, you you understand this. You deal with these issues every day. And I got to tell you, I think Newberry has got the best city commission around right now and uh, they need to keep it because it will not last. Believe me. Things come and go. And while you've got a, 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 a city commission that uh, is functioning and doing what Newberry's is doing, stick together and get as much done as you can because these things do not last. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you know, uh, we'll, be, we'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. The line, the line is open. You may uh, give a holler if you want. We'll be right back with Ward's weather after our break. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. 
Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth. All these poop. Oh, the warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. It's all great, this great friends, uh, Wendell Lewis. And I want to thank all our sponsors. They hearing me now? Uh oh, uh oh. Okay, you should have sound now. I'm sorry, uh, you know, button didn't get flipped. It should be flipped. Here we are. I'll start back by saying that the uh, uh, iffy weather this weekend. I'm going through the weather report. Michael Lucas says yes, we got sound now. That's sir. Thank you for keeping me up to date here. When you guys hit me that, I can communicate. Is something gone? Gone on? We need to fix right away. Well, if we can, so. The uh, weather we're talking about, my friends, brought to us by Lewis Oil. And the Florida football field is in very bad shape. Uh, there's really no other way to state it. It's grass is torn up. It's thin. It must be from all the rain. So um, the thinking that this will be a blessing if it rains in the swamp and it'll be tough for Kentucky, it could be tough, period, as a muddy field. Now, football is to be played in any kind of conditions. It's one of the manly aspects of about the game. So mud or no mud, we'll be doing our thing. The only thing that can shut that game down is lightning. And um, we have, as I say, a lightning engineer on the sideline who's a friend of mine who has the power to shut that game down with uh, just one uh, signal from him. He's the most powerful guy on the football field, more powerful than any of the coaches or any of the referees or umpires or anything. 72 degrees right now around our parts. It's going to be below 90, but it's going to be quite a bit rain. Uh, The rivers are rising. There are some flood warnings. Um, That is going to continue. We're going to get more and more rain. We've got Danielle, ironically, that was coming our way, has switched, gone out over Bermuda, and is heading back to Europe. Um, um, so <laughs> Plantation Mark said he could hear us on the phone. So I don't know, production, what all that meant. But uh, uh, <laughs> there you go. So um, uh, it looks like we're going to dodge uh, these uh, storms for the time being. And, and uh, you know, but don't, don't take too big a breath. Uh, we're going to have a substantial flood risk, though, as this water is coming in today 
in from it would be coming across the state, going heading northeast, coming out of the southwest, right across this area of the Piney Woods in north central Florida, Tallahassee, Lake City, Live Oak, Gainesville, a little bit of Ocala probably. So that is my weather report. The other thing I want to comment on now, we have a little bit of abbreviated show today because we're going to be doing a national hookup uh, with ESPN a little bit early today uh, for uh, another show with uh, with uh, uh, my good buddy Steve Spurrier. So we're going to bow out about five minutes early here um, in a minute. I do want to talk about the release of the film, of the dog bite film, the so-called dog bite film. It's 23 minutes long. I watched the entire thing. Um, the um, um, the 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 deal was uh, um, pretty pretty self-explanatory. It's already been criticized as being edited. Of course, it's edited. It's one of the slickest productions I've seen GPD do ever. And I mean to tell you, they spent some money on that. But I hear they got their own team that does these sort of things now. But it was it was down to the nitty gritty. And basically, the story here is the same old story. You hear every day in the news, everywhere across America, locally, and it's always the same actors. It's always the same deal. Uh, uh, Most of the time it is a a black male, but not always, but most of the time. Uh, If you were a betting Las Vegas man, you would bet that would be the case. Also, we don't call it that, but it's really uh, um, it starts with profiling. By that, I mean there are certain habits of disrespect for law and order that cause one to wonder whether there are other aspects of disrespect for law and order. This began with this young man not stopping for a stop sign and the two cars behind him did. And that's all on camera. He chose not to. Well, there you go. If you choose not to stop when everybody else is stopping, then maybe we need to know why you didn't stop. And and uh, so that starts it. And they pull the young man over. And, of course, everything there begins the slippery slope. There's no compliance. There's nothing but excuses. This young man was obviously never told by his father what I was told by mine. If authority comes up and asks you what you're doing, why you're doing it, what you, why you did it, you say one thing. My father taught me this. No excuse, sir. And when you say no excuse, sir, then you you've done your deal. This is not what happens. The guy gets an argument, kind of no, kind of fiddling around, reaching around. Let me tell you something. Coming up on that car is a dangerous moment. My friends that are doing this on uh, as, as professionals, whom I know from the range, practice drawing their pistol in three seconds, all right? They can draw and fire, and they're law enforcement people, and they're on a special drug introduction team, so they're pulling cars over all the time at night. They do it on I-75. You think it ain't, you think it's dangerous in town? You try pulling them over with tinted windows and all that business at night on I-75. They can pull that pistol, fire it in three seconds, so it's a nervous moment when you come up there and this guy's resisting. He's not complying. He's got excuses. Hey, he doesn't say no excuse, sir. Then you are understandably as a human being on defensive and you don't want to be on defensive. 
So then you ask the guy to get out of the car. He gets out reluctantly and then shoves you and takes off running. Ho, now we got a problem. Now we got a problem. And then furthermore, you look in the car now that he's out of it, and there's a, and you've run a check on him. He's a felon. There you go, a felon. And he's got a gun with an extended magazine. Now, why do you have an extended magazine? You have an extended magazine because you want to get into a firefight with as many number of rounds as you can have. 12 rounds generally in an extended magazine in a pistol is what you get with maybe one in a chamber. So 12, 13 rounds. That's more than six, which is what most pistols come with. Although there's been this development by the arms manufacturing business to put more and more uh, rounds in magazines. So he's got an extended magazine. That's a deliberate act by a felon to embolden and strengthen his firepower. Okay? So you're dealing with a guy who's living outside the norms. He's took off, he took off in the dark into an apartment complex where your mother might live. Your daughter might be out walking the dog. Anything could happen. You're assuming that you're safe in your little unit. And this guy takes off and, and they can't find him. And it's at their, I've talked to the canine guys last night at length about this. That's a very dangerous moment because you don't know what the guy's got another pistol. So you're going to come up on this guy who's escaped and you're going to go hunting for him and you can't find him. And you don't know but what he's going to get to drop on you and shoot you before you can shoot him because you don't know where he is. So you call the dog. And you don't want that dog on. I had a dog that the cops really wanted me to turn over to him. He was a 120-pound rot rod. I'm going to tell you something. You did not want to mess with that dog. You did not want to have a, an occasion where that dog decided he needed to bring you in. Now, these are 80-pound German shepherds. And they're lighter because, you know, that's the optimum weight for them to maneuver through some of the shrubs and stuff they have to do. Although they... They really wanted Jake, my dog, because I had, you know, I, I said, no, you ain't getting him. Uh, listen, I could walk away from my truck and, and leave it unlocked. There ain't nobody coming near that truck. Anywhere he was, you didn't get near them. He was one time out on the farm. There were some Jehovah's Witnesses who came up to the fence. You know how they are. Tra- trespassed. And the dog had him pinned up against the fence. I said, ma'am. She was there with a little kid. I said, you need to leave. Oh, Jesus had his coming. Jesus is, I'm going to tell you, you may be going to Jesus, but you don't get away from that dog. So there he is, and the dog gets him. This is all on 23 minutes of film. The sad part about it is it's a common everyday story. And nobody seems to learn from it. I can take you out and not, do a ride-along. Get, go down to GPD and sign up for a ride-along. I've got a story on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board that I wrote called The Ride-Along. From a ride-along I did years ago. Nothing's changed. Absolutely nothing's changed. And and uh, do it. I mean, it'll be an eye for you. All the crap you have to take from people who never learn to say, uh, hey, no excuse, sir. So, you know, all that stuff is unfortunate. That, But, you know, the, the guy caused the dog to come. 
Nobody's going to go into the uh, nobody's going to go into the doggone bushes at night with a guy who's already been found to have an extended magazine uh, uh, pistol under his front seat. What has he got on his body? Now, the only thing I really hope will happen is that GPD. Now, see, they're doing this for fear. I know, I know the lawyer handling the cases um, against GPD. See, GPD is going to get sued, obligatory lawsuit. In this case, I don't think there's much you can, you can, uh, GPD is done wrong. I mean, the dog was done by the book. Now, there are two characters that they suspended. And these two characters are criticized for uh, being too casual after the victim has fled. The characters are heard, the two cops that stay by the car are heard kind of goofing around. It made me recall the Gravemaker scene when Hamlet and Horatio arrive upon uh, the scene of the Gravemakers uh, in the graveyard making the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the digging the hole for uh, Ophelia's burial. And they're joking around and laughing as they dig it. And Hamlet is kind of, I mean, he's an idealistic kid. So he says to Horatio, who's the smartest person in the play, you know, uh, uh, has this fellow no feeling of his business that he sings at grave making? In other words, Hamlet can't understand why the, the grave maker is singing and, and having, you know, what appears to be a casual time and a serious thing. Now, these cops were let go, but basically they were doing what the grave makers were doing because Horatio says custom hath made it in him a property of easiness, which means that because I'm around so much of this stuff in Hamlet's, the case of digging graves or grave makers, they great graves, they great graves, graves. They're always at funeral, funeral, funeral. Because these cops, some of them, everybody handles tension and stress different ways. But because these cops see this all the time, how do you how do you how do you handle that without going crazy? And you got the liberals yipping at you, you got the the blacks yipping at you, you've got you know the, the criminals yipping at you, and yet you're asked to keep those other people in that apartment complex where that guy ran and hid safe. How do you handle it? Well, evidently, they handle it in a way that they were suspended or whatever. This is, in other words, they've been thrown under the bus. I don't know their names. We're going to find out. They've been thrown under the bus. We needed somebody. We needed to fire somebody. The dog didn't do anything wrong. Um, we, you know, although they put the dog through dog school again, as if the dog had done something wrong. They did that to fend off the lawsuit. I mean, come on. Come on, who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? And then you've got the case where the matrix for the SWAT team. I want GPD to produce the same quality of explanation, complete with body camera, for the SWAT team arrest of the innocent people. Maybe they were innocent. They were innocent at Colliers International. I want the same 
slick, well-financed, well-paid-for video of that crime and how it went down as they just did for the dog bite. I want, I want, I'm really holding my, I'm really holding my breath on it. I want to see that. I want to see how that works because they're going to need it. They're going to need it more in that instance than they do in this instance, because in this instance, when I looked at the tape and when I talked with the guys who do this for a living, it's done by the book. So it doesn't matter. You know, I've never, I've never understood why the guy that was shot at the hookah lounge incident didn't sue the city because the hookah lounge thing, I'm pretty sure was not legally permitted for starters. And it was not well protected. Remember Tony Jones had to go out there with an ad lib crew of captains who didn't want to go to protect the hookah lounge party rap session where a guy got shot. A promoter shot, you know, you know that kind of thing. You know, well, they, they should have sued the city. They didn't. I got the deposition on that, by the way. It's, um, I think we posted it on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. It, it's, it's another runaround deal. Um, so, um, oh, there you are, my friends. Let me just check my chat line. Uh, David Robert, David Robertson is back. He's a great uh, guy. I want to get him on the show. He was um, deployed to Ukraine. So uh, uh, that will be. Uh, uh, really, I hopefully get on. I'll get with him and see if he'll come on and talk to the extent that he can. Um, we're going to maybe part a little bit early here for you. We're going to. Um, I'll be hooking up with the podcast studio with ESPN in a minute, so um, I'm, I'm uh, cover my local stuff, which is basically what I wanted to do today. Uh, think about Jackson, Mississippi. How did it get in that mess? Uh, what do you do about a poorly run government? I don't know if they're going to vote. Listen, you put Harvey Ward in there, you'll have the same government you always had. And I don't know if a, a stranger can come in and straighten it out. Blarsky, I mean, he's not really a stranger to it. He's been victimized by it, if you will. But, you know, people just don't participate or don't understand what they're doing or can be told something that isn't so. And they don't know the difference because they don't know what should be so. So you tell them something and they just go with it or they don't want to participate. I mean, I had a I had a conversation with a friend who said he talked to a guy who could care less. He doesn't vote. He doesn't think anything matters that happens. He like lives in the hold of the ship, so to speak. And anything that happens up top in the conning tower, he doesn't care about. You know, he's got his little place in the hold of the ship. A lot of people like that. And, um, you know, this guy's a very intelligent, well-educated, uh, productive member of the society. Just doesn't vote. He just, just washed his hands of the whole situation. So that's not that's not good. Well, um, thank you very much for tuning in today. We'll be tuning out just a few minutes early today. And uh, I want you to have a great weekend. Uh, I think uh, uh, maybe with luck, we'll get through the Gator game, at least without lightning. Uh, Warthog Command Center out.